of support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Hello and welcome back to the Boer Breakdown Podcast with Johnny, Dana and Tom. We are the Boer Podcast that gives you all of your Boer Master chatter in a podcast. And in today's podcast, we chat about the future of Jed Spence following Neil Walks presser. Podcast questions, we look ahead to the midweek game against QPR and we chat to Jason from the Rams Review Podcast to get everything that we need to know about Boer's game against Derby. But first, on Saturday, we returned home. 530 days from our last game together, 22,004 fans are in attendance to watch Borough beat Bristol City two goals to one with goals from new boys Uche, Ikpiezu and Matt Crooks, or so we sh- should we say Duncan Crooks, um, giving <laughs> Borough the three points at the Riverside and <laughs> moving us up to seventh place in the championship table with all of the top ten on four points. This league is mental. Uh, but to start things off, guys, how would it feel to be back at the Riverside yes, uh, on Saturday? Good? Was it? Did you were you able to do your, your pre-match rituals or anything like that? I know, Tom, you, you were in you were in hospitality as well. Yeah, I mean, it was a absolutely surreal experience being back, to be honest. But that just kind of made it even more surreal in a way, um, because the hospitality where I was was the Hardwick Bar, which I don't know if you guys have ever been in there, but it's it's quite different to the hospitality in the West End. Uh, you can't see the pitch or anything like that. So it kind of felt like you were just cut off from the rest of the stadium and you you, you could just be there for like a meal or a pint on a Saturday, which, you know, I've been to the Riverside for a meal a couple of times since uh, the last home game. Um so it just kind of felt like that up until about 15 minutes beforehand when we were able to go down into the concourse and then like into the seats and think, God, we're actually back. Like we're actually going to see Borough. <laughs> I mean, if you told me like March last year, you know, you know next time you see Borough play at home, you're going to be dying to see it. I wouldn't have believed her at the time because obviously it was terrible at the time. But uh, yeah, I couldn't wait for it yesterday. Just the feeling of waking up and think I'm, I'm going to a Borough match today. Like. I'm going home. Dana, how'd you feel? Yeah, well, you saw me at Playbrew on Thursday, how excited I was there. I mean, Maybe a bit it, too excited. Yeah. <laughs> we are the East. Lads. Anyway, but um, no, it was fantastic to be there. It was a really emotional day, I think, because, I mean, just walking up those stairs. By the way, my dad tripped up the stairs before we got to the block. I thought he was planking for a second because he was just on the floor. But he was fine. He was fine. We were laughing about it. Uh, but that was a great welcome back for him. But yeah, it was it was great. And and I think when Pigbag was blaring out of the PA system, it was just... I mean, I had to compose myself for a second because I don't think I've ever heard Pigbag being chanted that loud um, by everybody in you know all all around the riverside it was just a fantastic moment and and yeah to be back seeing everybody that I usually see it was just a, it, it was just brilliant yeah it was good I mean it's a shame you couldn't get your curry and chips though was it Dana oh you know what I was devastated because I turned around the corner on the leeway and I didn't see him didn't see didn't him see and I, I said to my dad during the game oh it's fine if there's no curry sauce because I'll just get a burger didn't get either in the end got a Big Mac from McDonald's <laughs> it's shocking it's, it's disgusting <laughs> I know I was I was genuinely devastated it was like Neil wanted with his hands behind his head I was just I know you, you upset me when you when you sent a message in the group chat and I was like oh no this, yeah. this, this, this is not a real match I think Wednesday 
if he's back, that is that is the real return Fingers to the crossed. pre-match ritual, isn't it? But let's chat about the game. Um, it was a, a very good game, just to say, uh, to say the least. But Dan, how would you assess the performance against Bristol City? I thought we were good. I thought we were well worth the, the three points. Um, I thought first half we probably could have used the ball a little bit better. Um, there were a few chances that probably could have been... Um, taken a lot better, but <laughs> as you'll see with Borough, we we do tend to take wrong, make wrong decisions. I think there was a couple in the the second half as well, where in the end the victory could have been much better than it was uh, in terms of the scoreline. But I thought we were we were great. We worked hard. There were some really good individual performers, and I think you could sense that the players were thriving off the crowd. I mean, Jed Spence in particular. I think he was really geeing up the crowd after Ikpiezu scored, and I thought everything just really clicked into place. Obviously, defensively, the the goal that we conceded was poor, but I mean. I don't really care about that. We won the game. It was great to be back. Atmosphere was great, and and yeah, it was a, it was a good three points. It was a good three points. Um, Tom Dana mentioned a couple of names there, but who who stood out for you yesterday? Well, I think firstly Matt Crooks, who I probably gave man of the match yesterday. Um, not Duncan Crooks, as I think you're thinking right now, but <laughs> Duncan Crooks. Oh, oh. Should, should we or Matthew, explain that? Or Matthew Watmore? Um, should we explain? That? Yeah, because I, I feel like no, not many people have seen it. Yeah, yeah. So if anybody looked at the, the big screen before the game when the team when the lineup was being announced, <laughs> the PA guy said. Matt Crooks and I looked at the the TV and it was Duncan Watmore's face but Matt Crooks's name and I think he actually laughed at it um, Matt Crooks apparently but there we go the Jason Rhodes the sequel welcome to Bora Matt Crooks <laughs> oh, now known as Duncan um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so I'm sorry it was start being Matt Crooks of course uh, yeah so I, I think compared to to how he played last week when he was being forced to play out wide and probably a position he's not used to. Um, we saw him move central this week and I thought he played really well. Um, obviously used his, his height quite well and won his fair share of headers, but also going off that, it seemed like the stereotypical phrase of uh, quick feet for a big man because <laughs> some of his footwork yesterday I thought was uh, was outstanding. Other than him, Ikpiazu did extremely well up front, holding the ball up really, battling, putting a shift in, uh, helping to create stuff for us. Uh, Isaiah Jones, I said last week, let's like not overhype him, kind of based off a off a twenty minute cameo. At, uh, so now uh, I'm going to hype him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm still not. Go- I'm still not going to. But I was surprised when I saw him starting yesterday because obviously mm-hmm. we didn't know about the the injuries to Tab and Watmore. I was a little bit worried just in case, um, you know, the occasion kind of got to him, but he didn't show any signs of that at all. He just kind of seemed like he he was ready for that and he'd been there, you know, so many times before, like playing above his years, really. Um, I was also really impressed with Dale Fry and Anthony Dykesdale yesterday. Um, I think Dale Fry just looked comfortable all match. I didn't see him lose a, an aerial battle Um and he just he seems like he's grown so much into the player that he was hyped up to be a few years ago and and Dyke's still similar uh extremely comfortable other than the the switch off and defending for the goal which I'm sure we'll we'll talk about in a bit but i, I thought there, there was a, a spell around the 78 to 82nd minute where Bristol were trying to attack down their left-hand side, and between Dykesdale and Spence, they completely shut out that that, uh, that threat. I thought Spence did really well uh, coming back on his defensive duties there to to cut that threat out. Mm. Yeah, it was it was a good tactical tweak from Warlock really to play. I know we didn't really have many options 
Um, but in terms of <laughs> in terms of what Warnock, Warnock did, I think it was very very good tactically where he moved Jed on the right wing and then obviously had Dykstil and you have like the pace there where it probably really nullified De Silva who does like to overlap quite quite a lot uh, when he's when he's playing for for Bristol City and I thought we really nullified his threat yesterday. Um, but Tom, <clears throat> although we had two very well worked goals yesterday. On the other end, one set piece, you've both alluded to it. You've said you're going to forgive Dyke Steele for it, but it was a very sloppy goal to give away, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, watching it at the time, I was like, how do you let anyone get unmarked in the six-yard box like that? And I've tried my best to kind of slow the footage down when I've been watching it on the AFL show and Sky Sports highlights and stuff. And it looked like what happened was Hall and Fry were the only people actually man-marking in that six-yard box. And there was about three players, including Dyke Steele, who was only marking. Dyke still was actually stood next to Andy King at one point um, and then got drawn towards another attacker in the six-yard box and left Andy King completely unmarked. And uh, I, you can see afterwards, like, Fry uh, gives him a bit of a, roll, uh, bit of a rollicking. Just uh, kind of say, like, stick, stick with that man. But, yeah, it's... Uh, I don't know what exactly we were trying to do off that uh, off that corner and not man marking, but it just didn't work well at all. Yeah, well, we, free we, kick wasn't it? Yeah, oh, free, free kick, kick. Yeah, because yeah. that, that's interesting. You mentioned that actually, because Warnock said it after the game that they set up as if it was a corner, and that that was a mistake, <laughs> and that obviously I think that's that's why that happened. But yeah, I'm not going to let that change the narrative of Dyke. Still, I thought he's he's wonderful. He's very quietly. One of the most underrated players in in this Borough team. I think when he does get praise, I don't even think it's loud enough. To be honest, I think he's a fantastic defender, and and also quietly one of the best in the championship. Yeah, he's he's came on leaps and bounds over like the last over the last eighteen months, really, hasn't he? I think when he when he first came on, Jonathan Mugget, a couple of bad in, he had obviously that bad injury, but then when he first started, it looked a bit a bit shaky because he was coming up from coming from a, from the division below, and I think. I think it was a good start at the time, but I think now we're starting to really see the the best of Anthony Dyke Steele. But in terms of yesterday, he did he was he got caught ball ball watching really. I think he, he was when you look at when you look at it back, he moves forward. But Andy King, he's he's running forward, but he just he just he just makes a nice little tweak to his run, and then he finds that finds that like, it looks like a little bit of a gap, but it's a big gap in this in just in front of the six yard box. And for me, I think it's it's a bit professionally. I think he needs to do a bit better there. But in terms of his actual performance, I, I thought it was it was relatively quite good. But not just him, though. Like, uh, not just Dykesy. I think the whole team played well today, and we definitely looked more balanced um, in comparison to when we did against Fulham. I know I put like a couple of heat maps and positionals in our, in our group chat, and we'll probably we'll share them out after this. But Millsborough looked a lot more balanced yesterday than across the pitch. But why do you think that was? Well, because we had the width. Um, I mean, in the first half, down. Uh, Obviously, I'm in the East. Isaiah Jones was very, very wide. Um, and that just allowed an out ball, really. I mean, a lot of our attacking movement was coming through him. And and I must say, he's been he's been really impressive. He's He's got a bit of Soccer AM skill school about him. And you know that track that they play <coughs> in that segment? I feel like that should be played when Isaiah Jones has the ball because he just looks like sort of old school park football of... Right, there's your fullback, try and get past him. And he just looks like he's really enjoying his opportunity to show what he can do. And I think he was really at the heart of that. We had an out ball, I thought Jed was good as well on the other side. And uh, Matt Crooks as well, Matt Crooks linking up um, through the middle rather than out wide. It was just a lot more balanced because there was structure in that um, attack. Whereas, as you mentioned, the the sort of average positions of the following game, it was just a... 
clusterfuck for the want of a better word. Yeah, it, it really was. It really was. I think mean, when you look at it, the way that we positioned against position ourselves against against Fulham was when you're playing Crooks on a wing and he's more of a central play, he's always going to start creeping in, and then you're going to you're going to have like, yeah, what you were saying there, like a bit of an overload together and like a whole cluster of players where there was no real outlet. I think when we had the likes of Isaiah Jones and, and Spence yesterday, I think you bang on. We were able to stretch the game with a wing play and try and overload the wingers. I think when I put like my like uh, my team out on on Twitter before like the, the teams came out, I was saying like we have to try and cause an overload on the wing play because that is their main outlet as well. But then also they'll try and get quite narrow as the game goes on. So I think we managed the game very well. I thought the shape was excellent. And I thought Uchek Piers who was 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 even better to be honest. I yeah. thought is I know he's a player last week we said it would cause defenders a lot of problems with like his tenacity, his ability to pin and hold and his ability to, to get help Borough get up the pitch really. Um but how do you think he affected Borough's player yesterday, Dana? Well, I mean he, he dropped deep at times, he he was just a a focal point and I mean as you said his ability to hold up the ball was fantastic but also the ability to sort of to shield it and release it as well he was very in sync with where everybody was and I think he and Matt Crooks really linked up well and I think Crooks as well linked up with Isaiah Jones quite well um, on that on that left hand side I thought I mean Ikpiezu is somebody that I think will probably end up being a fantastic signing for Borough I know a lot of People from the outside might look at it and think, well, you know, how has he got that move? Especially Motherwell fans and fans of uh, of the SPL. But um, I think he, he, I mean, he's doing everything that I think Neil Warnock would want of him. And he was, yeah, he was fantastic. He worked incredibly hard as well. There was a moment in the first half where he trapped back and he, and he pressed and he tried to win the ball. Um, and that's all fans want to see, really. They want to see somebody that works hard. But not only does he work hard and he has the application on the pitch, but against Bristol City we saw the conviction as well I mean he got a goal he got an assist there's really nothing more that you can ask from him from him yeah absolutely I thought he was excellent um but Tom Neil Warnock uh, this week he did say that he could Uche could be the the <coughs> second or, or even third choice uh striker this season do you think Warnock's playing a bit of mind games with, with Uche there trying to get a performance out of him given that he was so quiet against form but I don't think it was his fault really but we'll, we'll go on to that yeah, I was thinking about this during the game yesterday, um, and I'm I'm leaning towards thinking that it is probably uh, mind game slash trying to motivate him a little bit. The reason I'm thinking that is because yesterday I was looking at him like he's got the number nine shirt. Like, <laughs> if he was going to be second or third choice, you wouldn't give him that number that is you know typically reserved for your your first choice striker. Um, Obviously, you know, one might not believe in, in that type of thing with shirt numbers or stuff like that, you know, not got a number three or anything like that. But, um, yeah, I, I thought it was a bit strange. I think the the only thing is, like, you know, the the figure that was kind of getting um, mooted around for Rodrigo Muniz uh, was obviously quite a large uh, money signing. Potentially, if someone comes in on that type of money, he, you know, he might be second choice. There might be a different way we're trying to play with with the type of strike that we're trying to spend more money on. But yeah, I, I think personally that he was signed with you know a lot of play time in mind this season yeah, with the intent to be first choice strike. Yeah, yeah. So well, on the flip side, then if we were to bring another striker in, appreciate. I think I think we are looking to probably bring two more in, especially with Akpom going. Um, what should we look for? 
Um, I think we mentioned this uh, this last week as well, but we need another option like Uche. Because from what I've noticed in the last two games, it doesn't look like he can last a full game in in terms of his uh, his stamina. I think he's got great strength and you know he, he does work hard, but he probably works hard too hard in that he tires himself out by around the 60th, 70th minute. Uh, and then we've ended up with Matt Crooks play, uh, playing up front. So I think we need another option like uh, like Ocha, who can uh, who can play up front and do the same job. Um, but I think we need a plan B up front as well. Mm. Uh, probably a quicker striker who can get in behind and uh, grab some some goals. Yeah, absolutely. I think Akpom would actually probably be the, a good outlet, but I think he's just it just seems to be the the player that is is going to be leaving. I think we're obviously uh, Neil Wong says he's got COVID um, at the moment, but if he, if he does come back, it'll probably take him time. And then even on the back of that as well, like we probably need a couple of strikers on top of him as well. Um, but let's try about Isaiah Jones Dana um, because he was a player that we pr- we probably all thought that he wasn't going to get much game time this season. If anything, he was going to probably head out on loan, gain a bit more experience, and it could be someone for maybe next year. But with the likes of Balassi leaving, Cabano, um, you've got Nathan Mendes Lang, uh, Johnson, you've got Duncan Watmore injured, you've got Tav injured. He's found himself in a position where he's starting games. Um, but he's, Neil Warlock even said as well that he didn't probably want him to start him, but he's definitely made an impact on this side, hasn't he? He has, yeah. And I think Warnock will appreciate the fact that he seems to <laughs> he seems to be a magnet of, of fouls. Um, I think... I think he won three yesterday, won all of his um, dribbles, completed all of his dribbles, three key passes. It was just, it was a really good performance from him. And also, sometimes these situations where you don't have the options that you might well, you know, hope for can really bring out these players that just blossom in the circumstances. And I mean, he's a raw talent, of course, um, but he's been fantastic. I mean, he changed the game at Fulham. Um, he was one of the top three performers for me yesterday against Bristol City, and he's taken his opportunity. and And like I said, there is a you know he's he's very tricky, um, but he also there was a bit of variety to his game yesterday, and that he was cutting inside at points. He was going around the outside. Um, I think he I think it was Viner, wasn't it, the Bristol City fullback that um, was really struggling uh, against him, and that is a big compliment to Isaiah Jones. He was. He was fantastic, and to be fair, he has been fantastic in the cameos that we've seen of him so far this season. Yeah, just just a very, very raw talent. It's quite similar um, to what we've seen with Jed when Jed first came on the scene. Mm. You know, like that fearless approach, not afraid yeah. of taking his man, doing the extra step over. Don't get it wrong, some of his decision making, I don't, I don't think it was a hundred percent, but that yeah, comes his, his with pa- time. His passing accuracy, I think, was about fifty percent. So yeah it, yeah, it reflects that. And there's even the bit where, like, I mean, I think we played a lovely little one-two to try and get him behind that lovely little combination pass to to, to break open a, a tight defence, and he broke through. And I, I could just see McNair doing the old Lampard, where like he's just strolling towards the edge of the box. And I was like, go on, <laughs> lay it back, lay it back, and it was just. Like, mm. He's like, he could just put his cap on it and just uh, put that and put it on his head. Um, <laughs> but in terms of decision making, I think that comes. I think it's it's very rare for a, a young player like that to get every decision right. Um, I think there's only one player really I can think of that does that so well. And I think it's probably Jaden Sancho, to be honest, at, at that age where he gets every decision that he makes correct and he's the elite of the elite. But in terms of Isaiah Jones, Tom, two games uh, and two assists for him now. And as you think he's given Neil Warnock something to think about now this season? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think in in terms of who we were looking to sign for those positions, don't get me wrong, I, I still think we need to sign another winger. Um, 
because it doesn't look like, well, obviously Marcus Brown's out long term, and then we've got Tav and, and Watmore who don't have the best injury record, so you you kind of worry when whenever they go missing for a for a game. And and looking at the the team before uh, we played yesterday, <clears throat> I was a, a little bit concerned that that was going to be our options on the wings and 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 potentially. Um, you know, who'd be relied on to create the chances. But they both did well, in fairness, and, and, and proved me wrong from from what I thought pre-match. Um, so I, I think in the last couple of games, he's he's deserved to be in that conversation for the rest of the season, um, rather than kind of be like, right, you've had a few games, off you go out on, on loan now. I think um, in, in terms of the options on the wings, he, he should be one of them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, do you think he's done enough to warrant a place against QPR in Uh Yeah, but also I don't think we have anyone else even if we wanted to replace him. <laughs> we, we've got no options <laughs> on. Um, no. <laughs> but um, no, I, I think he did extremely well yesterday and in the uh, 20 minutes or so he had it against Fulham as well. I, I, I think he's he's deserved it, so he should definitely get a game. What I was impressed with yesterday from him is that even when he lost the ball, he, he still had a desire to, to win it back. Um, I think it was probably Viner uh, in, in the first half. Ed tackled him close to his uh, his own box, and he still managed to like just nip in front of him and nick the ball back and and try and get the attack going again. I think that's sort that sort of desire from your wingers. It's probably something Neil Warnock will like to see as well. Um, and obviously playing in the in the under twenty threes or out in Queen of the South. Don't think Isaiah Jones would have had too much opportunity to work directly with a manager on the level of Neil Warnock before, so hopefully that could hopefully uh, just help him as the season goes on as well. No disrespect to Queen of the South manager there, um, <laughs> <laughs> but Dana, look, there, there is talk of another wing coming in from from non-league, and we'll come on that very shortly. But there's also a chance for them as we try and get one on top of that. But do you think? If we were to bring in the signings with the players that are coming back, especially like Tom mentioned there, Brown, you've got Tav, Watmore, New Winger, and then maybe Crooks if you put him out there as well. We have got the options there. You can even put Pajero in that, in that role if you need to. Could we see him maybe head out on loan or do you think he's going to be in and around this squad this year? I think he'll be in and around the squad only because, as Tom said, uh, you know, what more doesn't have a great injury record. Tav seems to be made out of cheese string at the moment, which is a massive shame because he is, for me, our best player. Um, and then obviously Marcus Brown, I think, will be back. Was it around Christmas, maybe Christmas time or just before that? So, yeah, I, I would. I would keep him. I would keep him in around the team. Um, it is interesting, though, that we have let some players go, like Colson, for example, and we haven't well, like, we yet to bring in a replacement because, I mean, I can't remember exactly when Colson left. I think it was, it was probably about a week ago, wasn't it? Because I think he left the day that we were recording, I believe, mm. last week, last Sunday, and we've yet to bring in a, a replacement left back, which I thought would already have been signed off if we let Colson... Um, leave so I wouldn't because I, f- I wouldn't um, loan Jones out because I feel like we might get burned by that I was thinking yesterday though it's be- it's a massive worry the fact that we haven't really rectified the problem out wide and this has been a long running problem as well with the lack of uh, you know wing options wide options we obviously had it with Balassi Cabano Mendes Lang uh, last season but all in all, it's just a sort of stopgap solution. We haven't really managed to find a long-term fix for this 
<laughs> long-term problem mm. out wide. Yeah, well, there's obviously there's 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 players linked. I mean, obviously the the wing from Billericay Town, which we'll come on to, but you know we are, we we are we are lacking in 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 options on that to be honest. But obviously, I know you mentioned there on like a left back. I believe we're linked with that Jake Bidwell, the Swansea. That Jake Bidwell. <laughs> the Jake Bidwell. The Jake Bidwell. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you know what I mean. Uh, but I mean that that could be a deal that we could maybe look into. But I think I think it was quoted two point five million. So like, could you even see that as being a possibility? I mean, given that ball is playing so well left back, I mean, why would you fork out that? Yeah, and and as I said to you in the car, he's out of contract next summer, so it wouldn't represent particularly good business for me. Mm. I, I'd have probably paid that for him a few years ago. I, I think he was playing at yeah. Brentford at the time. Um, when, when they, I mean, they were really just starting to, to hit their stride and, and, and become the team that they are now. He, he looked impressive in that team. I'd have probably paid that for him back then, but maybe not right now, especially not if he's out of contract at the end of the season. Mm, fair enough then. But let's chat about another uh, wing, winger or wing back or however you want to call him now with Jed Spence. Um, in the post-match press conference yesterday, Neil Warnock mentioned he had a stern conversation with Jed Spence and he was hoping to get a response from the 21-year-old. So we thought we'd ask the man who asked the question to Neil Warnock, Craig Johns from the Gazette, uh, to see if Jed had a future at the Borough. This is a very interesting question on Jed Spence. The reason why I think it's such an interesting question is because I think the the response I give to you now is very different to the response I would have given you at the start of the summer uh, before pre-season started. Um, Put simply, I think, what is Jed Spence's future at Middlesbrough now? Well, I think he's absolutely got a future. I think he's uh, he's had a brilliant summer. He's done really well. He's worked his way back into the plans. He's had a good start of the season. Uh, and so I think, you know, any kind of uncertainty over his future and whether or not he might be sold are, are out of the window now. I think Jed Spence stays at Borough certainly beyond this transfer window and, and I'm sure beyond. As I say, I, th- I think the answer would have been completely different had you asked me at the start of pre-season. Um, it's it's absolutely no secret that that Jed struggled last season. Um, he fell well down the pecking order by the end of the season and, and when he was coming in for games late on, um, later on in the season when you know Burrow were perhaps needing him in games, he was he was actually you know he was at times costing the team goals with his lack of concentration and you know lack of following his men into the box. It, he was he was really really playing poorly. It's got to be said at that point and. Uh, you know, it's fair to say that Warnock isn't the first manager at Borough to to kind of have problems with Jed as well. More, it's it's. I would say, I don't want to say it off the pitch, but it more. You know, it's more a mental thing. I think with Jed, because I think we can all say, you know, he's he's still a young boy and he's got excellent potential in terms of technical ability but Warnock alludes to it a lot, and he he did again on Saturday night after the Bristol City win. It's um. You know, it's it's the mental side of things with Jed Spence. He he needs to think about the game more, and he the little things like lapses in concentration and letting his men go uh, last season in particular. They're the things that you know managers like Neil Warnock are not going to stand for, and not many managers will actually, because you know, as I say, there were times last season where those lapses in concentration cost Middlesbrough points. But but fair play to Jed Spence, there was you know some interest uh, this summer. Um, Borough were always clear that if they were going to sell, it was it was only going to be for the right price, because there is absolutely still a player there. But um, yeah, I think now I think. 
you know, a couple of weeks left of the transfer window. I can't see Jed Spence being sold by Middlesbrough at all. We we know the issues they have in terms of you know the depth of the squad and the lack of numbers in the squad, and and selling Jed Spence would just mean that they need to go looking for for another position essentially. And I, I don't think there's a need for that because. Uh, <clears throat> As I say, Spence has done so well. Um, it, it, it kind of, and it was me who asked that question at today's press conference after the Bristol City win. And the reason for that is, as I say, you know, he was facing a very uncertain future this summer, and go, going down to Devon. I noticed that he just seemed to be a different Jed Spence this summer. Um, I don't know what it is, whether something's clicked, whether you know the threat of maybe. You know, being sold by Burrow has maybe made something click, but he just looked to be a different Jed Spence, and he looked to enjoy his game more. He he had a really good uh, three games down there in uh, in in Devon and Cornwall, and of course there was that uh, moment in the in the Plymouth game where he did that Rabona cross, and you know that's that's kind of the the technical ability that we know he does have, but. As as I say, it's it's the mental side of things with Jed Spence that has always had to have been the thing that's improved. But but credit to him, he's he's you know he's been doing well. He did really well from the bench against Fulham. He helped change the game along with Tavernier and Isaiah Jones. And and you know ask him one at that question today after he started uh, the Bristol City win and you know, he had a brilliant game today. He worked hard defensively, got back, always stuck with his man, and then was really good. Uh, in attack as well, playing as a right winger, a dear, you know, I mean, um, it, it it could perhaps go unnoticed, but you know, he played such an important part without touching the ball in Burr's first goal. The the run he made, the desire he showed to get from the right wing, get beyond Uchik Piazu, get into the centre of the box, and you know, he was on hand essentially to kind of take the last defender's attention. The last defender followed him. Stopped him getting the tap in the close range tap in, but what that meant was that Ikpiazu was at the back post ready to to hammer it home and put Burr in the lead. So you know you can't underestimate the kind of desire and and will that he showed that to get into the box and to give Burr that extra option. I, I wrote I wrote um in my piece after the game. You know how often last season did we see a Burr winger beat his man, get to the byline, and then look up and see three Burr players in the box to cross to? I can't remember many times. All last season that that was the case, but that was the case for today's first goal. Uh, so so excellent uh, desire there from Jed, which is I say is why I threw that question in, and and Warnock's response uh, response was was an interesting one. I thought you know he said he's going to reserve judgment now because. Uh, you know, I don't think we should, for any reason, think that you know Jed's completely turned the corner and 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 everything's hunky dory. Uh, for want of a better phrase, now with him, it, this has got to be a long term change. And he said, you know, like he's he's been this past week. He has seen a change in him since the talk, and he's been the first out at training, um, and and all little things like that, and the commitment that he's shown and effort that he's shown in the game are all the right ways of going about changing Warnock's mind, changing Warnock's opinion, and proving that there is definitely. A player in there who wants to play for Borough and wants to be successful at Borough, uh, and, and as long as Jed Spence continues in that way, then Jed Spence has a, a long and very bright future at Borough. So you know, long may that continue. From now until next summer, we're using our platform to help support the Modern Neuron Disease Association. Six people are diagnosed with motor neuron disease every day, and every day six people die from it. 
the MND Association focuses on improving access to care, research and campaigning for those living with the disease. Please donate what you can to www.justgiving.com forward slash borough breakdown MND. So thanks, Craig, for that. Um, so, guys, Jed, he looked a lot brighter yesterday on the right wing and got the fourth highest rating for, across the Gazette, stats bomb, and who scored. Um, but, guys, do you think uh, Neil Warnock gave Jed Spence an ultimatum probably a couple of weeks ago to see if we can get a response from him? Potentially, yeah. I think that's all he really needed last season. He just needed a, to be shook, really, didn't he? Of you know, sort of slap out of it, sort of thing. I mean, he lost his way last season. There's no doubt about it. I mean, Craig said it there that his performances were costing Borough more than they were helping them. Um, but there's there's a, a player there, and it. I, I really didn't like the criticism uh, of Jed because I think it went beyond the point of criticism. It became quite personal with him and it was brilliant to see him really thrive yesterday. And, I mean, as Craig said as well, that the, there is a player in there. It, if it's a mental thing, hopefully that has, has been resolved um, over the summer. Um, and to be honest, I was thinking it yesterday. Potentially he's a player that thrives off the crowd. Um, I know it definitely helps and as I said he, he, he didn't perform well last season um, could the lack of of crowd being behind the, the team and behind him have affected that I don't know whether that's a ridiculous excuse from me because I, I am a, a big fan of Jed but this is a season now where I do think it is make or break for him because last season can kind of be excused it was his first full senior season um, but this is the one now where he he has to take his opportunity because at the end of the day, as we've just mentioned there, we don't have a lot of wing players and, and he is now in that role of, of that right winger um, and he has to take it. And to be fair, we didn't mention it after the Fulham game, but I thought he really played a part in changing uh, the course of that game. I know Jones, got the, Jones and Tav got the, the headlines really from the players that came off the bench, but I thought Jed was fantastic as well. Um, and yeah, he was he was good yesterday too. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're spot on with the, with the talent there. So, like Tom, like, what's what's your thoughts on it as well? Do you think that he, there, there is a player in there that Millsbrook could really rely on? Yeah, definitely. And I, I think Dana's right in saying that this season's probably a make or break season for him. Um, I, I think Warnock's probably had uh, had word with him at the end of last season and start this season of expectations. And what I liked yesterday, like I mentioned earlier, that that spell, uh, you know, five minute spell towards the end of the game, where him and Dyke Steele were just effectively shutting Bristol out on that left hand side, that seems an improvement to me on last season in terms of his dispense, uh, defensive responsibility, not dispensive, <laughs> but. Um, uh, yeah, I think there were times last season where it was like he looked more interested in trying to like get the ball, go forward, and take his man on but not so much in in terms of the concentration on his defensive duties. Mm. I, I think everyone's probably played with a player like that like on a seven-a-side pitch or something where like they, they'll love going forward and taking someone on, but as soon as the ball goes down the other end, they're just like, oh, well, I'll wait until it comes back to me. <laughs> but no, it, it seemed like his concentration levels have been up the last couple of games when he's played. Um He's been aware of his uh, of his responsibilities and getting back, and I, I think right wing probably suits him better as a as a position than being asked to play right back. And obviously, we don't necessarily play with wing backs too too much anymore by the looks of it. So, right wing seems to to be where he can make an impact this season. 
Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think I think with Jen, I know you alluded to it there, Dan. I know Craig alluded to it too, and um, around his mentality. I think last year was really difficult, not just for like us not being there and the whole pandemic, but for, probably for him as well. I think what twenty one year old. I think he li- I think he's living by himself up north. You know, most majority of his family's down south. That's that's difficult, man. Like that is really difficult. I think if he's by himself, you know, and he's he's finding it hard to to struggle probably, I'll probably not have like a sounding board maybe but to see some mm. of his family and friends and stuff like that I think it can be quite difficult for him but then also when you're not out, when you're out of form too it all probably adds up and I think I, I, I can't really blame blame for like bad performances like don't get it wrong like I don't think he was as good as he was last year um, but I think there definitely is a player there I think there's a player who can really add to this Borough side, and I think he can add as a different add, add a different dimension to our play. And if he scores more and more, it means more palmos for us. And I think <laughs> at the end of the day, everyone's happy, isn't it? So like, well, in terms of Jedi, yeah, like, absolutely. I think if he keeps going the way he is, I think the sky's the limit for him. I really do. I think highly of him, but I think there's there's just he has to do it on a consistent basis to get some of the fans back. I think he's in a position now where like he'll have a fantastic game. But if he switches off for one second or gives the ball away once, Bora fans will slate him for him and say it's absolutely useless. So he's he's in that like catch yeah, twenty two now, isn't he? I, I kind of understand. I don't understand like the, the the mass mass criticism. But for example, last season there was a there was a game uh, that I remember quite distinctly where he just switched off at the back post and we can see from it and there were a few more um, examples of him doing that and of course that's inexcusable. Um, but he just—I feel like he just needed a bit of a pick me up, and and seeing his family right at the the front of the away crowd at Fulham, I, you know, I just got the sense that there was a completely different Jed Spence that we were watching. He looked like he was loving it. Um, he was loving the fans there, his family there, and maybe that's just the little spark that he needed to switch himself on. I know Craig was mentioning there he looked like he was switched on during preseason, but surely that. Has helped him as well because, as you said, you know he's he's a young player, um, you know, born down south, coming up north in the middle of a pandemic. Your family's not not with you. It, it, it must be tough, but yeah, there's there's no beating around the bush. He was poor last season, um, but hopefully this season he's he's much better, much much better. Yeah, perfect. I don't know what words out there. Yeah, quick words out. I was going to say much much better, but then it just didn't come out. Just. The better, more better, more better. Um, but let's talk about transfers then, guys. Um, because this week, Toyosi Alosanya uh, from Billericay Town, the 23 year old winger, um, is linked and is set to sign for Middlesbrough uh, with Billericay Town's manager confirming it yesterday. Um, similar to Sam Falarin and Isaiah Jones, he does come from non league, and probably can, you can even put Lewis Wing in the mix as well for with that one. Yeah. Um, but how would you see the transfer panning out, Tom? Because under 20, do you think do you see him as under 23 for a season coming into the first team, or can you see him? Maybe getting thrown in straight away. Well, we don't know, and I, I guess that's the the beauty of it. Trying to sign someone from from non league, you might end up with the next Jamie Vardy, you might not. But um, I'm I'm sure I read something on him yesterday that uh, he came from like AFC Wimbledon or MK Dons. I'm sure I've just offended the fans of one of those clubs there. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I seem to remember him on FIFA when I did a save with uh, with Wimbledon, so that makes sense. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's not like he's never played at league level before, um, but also he, he seems to be highly rated. There were apparently a few clubs in for him. Uh, I f- believe he's 23 now, so you know I, I feel like we might be signing him to be in and around the first team, mm-hmm. not 
necessarily as a first choice, but I, I think you'll be one of the options on in the, fr- in the first team. <laughs> yeah, you had, to, you had to get it in, didn't you? You had to get the options on in. Uh, with, uh, how, how do you see it? I know you're similar to Tom. Yeah, I think he will be in and around the first team. I mean, I don't know too much about the guy, of course. <laughs> Jamie Vardy is the poster boy. Andy and Wright, actually, of, of non-league football and, and coming up through that sort of system. Um, but my concern with him is that since his release from Wimbledon, he's really club-hopped <clears throat> and he hasn't stayed at the, these clubs for a uh, um, a long time and when I was listening to his club's manager talk about him and basically confirm the move yesterday he mentioned that he handed him a new contract and wanted him to sign it because he wanted to give him regular game time which is in his words something that he hasn't had the last five seasons so that's my only concern really I mean I would love to know the reasons why he hasn't stayed at a club for too long it could be finances it could be he's just not getting the game time um, but as Tom said there's the unknown quantity or quality, sorry, of, of this move um, is interesting and intriguing because obviously we don't we don't have a lot of wide options. So he could come in and and he could do well. So hopefully he does because I mean to be fair, we could do with him right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we definitely need another winger just to help our mass injury crisis on the wings. Um, but <laughs> Bor have had a tough week in terms of transfers. Quite Neil Warnock. And um, he said, I hope you sign Sun when referring to a target um, from overseas. But looking at the bench yesterday, guys, on Saturday, especially this week where we probably see the the lack of depth that we have in the squad, how vital is it that we get the right bodies in um, before the transfer window shuts? Because the time is ticking. Yeah, it, as I said about the wide options that we have or don't have it is a, a massive concern because Neil Warnock teams do have that you know the wing players um, going into the channels and, and trying to um, get the team forward and it's it's obviously a massive concern um, but I, I, I have no doubts that we will pull players out of the bag before um, August the 31st but it's just as you said the right options. I hope we don't just sign someone for the sake of it because they might not be the right fit, they might not be the right personality, um, they might not be a, I don't know, a long term option post Warnock. To be f- to be fair, I'm surprised that we haven't signed Junior Hoylet yet. <laughs> I'm, I'm really really surprised. He's probably still stuck in that camera pit at QPR. But <laughs> I, th- I think we will. I think we will sign some players. It's just at the moment, it's. I mean, it is a concern. Yeah, well, last week, I don't know if you, you haven't listened to the audio of the, uh, the BBC Tees, but um, Maddow said that Sol Bamba was Sol Campbell uh, <laughs> yes, yesterday. Um, so I was, like, I was like, I mean, we can only <laughs> wish he was great player. I do enjoy it when uh, Maddow calls Sam Morsi Sam Morsi. Sam like Morsi. he's just turned Spanish. <laughs> Yeah, oh, I, I love Mano, but you know he, he loves to get an air wrong, doesn't he? I think he does it on purpose. Now I think he does it on purpose. But let's <laughs> let let's chat about uh, podcast questions and podcast questions is a time where you guys submit your questions to us to give us well try and get an opinion from us or a very bad opinion, um, if anything. But guys, we'll start off with Tom Muldowney's question first. Um, he says, "What do you reckon our strongest midfield three is with McNair, Housen, Pajero, Tav, Crooks, Morsey?" It's probably our strongest area on the pitch, but not all can play. So who do you think your strongest midfield three is? Tom, do you want to go first? Well, I, I told you in the car on the way uh, exactly yeah, what... Yeah, but no one else knows, what, do you know what uh, I mean? So. <laughs> what midfield three I, I'd like to see is... Uh, <laughs> is um, Piero, Morsi and Crooks. 
likened it to uh, um, Mighty Ducks 2 with the Bash Brothers just have two shit I was as either side of the, the creative <laughs> force so I, I'd like to see that um, but I think similar to what we played yesterday I think I'd have preferred to see Morsian instead of McNair um, just because I didn't think McNair I, I mean the whole team played well yesterday but I don't think he stood out yesterday um, and I think Morsi and, and House and both have a, a good work race and, and can shut down um, you know wide areas in the midfield as well, uh, leaving uh, a more advanced option like Piero or, or Crooks to get forward. Um, so I'd like to see Morsi, um, probably Housen or McNair on the other side, but I think based on yesterday it'd be Housen um, and then Piero or Crooks as the as the uh, number ten. Okay, interesting, Dana. I think right now I would have a I would set up in a four two three one so I'd have probably McNair and Morsi. I'm gonna call him Morsi now. I feel like I Sam just need Mosse. to like he's just gonna Sounds eat like a paella for tea. <laughs> Sounds like a French he's just we just got him from Bordeaux. So <laughs> See, I was thinking more more Spanish, maybe more athletic club Bilbao. But um no, I think I would have uh McNair and uh Morsi and then Crooks at the moment, but I think hopefully in the not too distant future, uh, Piero could come in. But I think at the moment, I think Crooks has to be in there because he's a goal threat. McNair could potentially be that creator slash uh, the the midfielder that gets into the box late, uh, and then Morsi sort of the holding mid. But yeah, in an ideal world, I'd probably have Morsi as the sitting mid, um, and then McNair and Piero as as eights. Yeah, I, I'm in agreement with you, Dana. I think that's probably the, the, the three I'd go for. Don't get me wrong, Houston is club captain. I just think Morsi's a, well, I think Morsi's a better player. Or Marseille. Sorry, here's Marseille. Marseille. Marseille's a better player. <laughs> um, but then I think with Tav, he has to go on the wing, doesn't he? So if, yeah, for me, I, think, I, I don't think he, he falls in that category. Uh, but next question, Dana, from Ian Smith. And he says, how worried about the defence are you considering the sloppy nature of the two goals we've conceded so far this season? Reasons to be concerned, or is it too early to judge? I don't really know where to place myself with this one because we have had two poor moments. Um, the Fulham goal that we conceded and then the goal that we conceded against Bristol City. But when I look at both the games sort of as a whole, I think we're pretty good defensively in terms of the sort of recovery runs. Um, the I mean, in Fulham... Whenever they got in behind, there was always somebody in that man-marking system that got back. I mean, with that man-marking system, you're always going to get players that, like Fabio Carvalho against Fulham, uses his off-the-ball movement to pull players out of position. And I think that's where, um, for the goal, Grant Hall should have really came out and um, and got to him and helped Mark Baller out when he cut inside Harry Wilson. But... Um, I think it's it's always going to be a concern with the man mark, with the man mark system because I think the players probably have to decide on the pitch in those moments whether or not they want to basically move out of that system and, and, and that tactic of man marking and when there is a player that cuts inside, for example, whether to press him and I think we're always going to concede goals like that this season, but. I mean, it's we conceded some sloppy goals last season, so it's. I think it's always going to be a concern. But I do think that defensively, there are moments where I'm I'm actually really pleased with us. Yeah, we look we look very balanced defensively. I think just just because of our defensive line, our midfield line is so like close together, 
and we're so compact, it's difficult for teams to really break us down. Mm. Um, and that's why you tend to see us try to, to use the, well, the opposition try and use the wings to get balls in the box. Hence why we were so, like, we were so comfortable with crossing the box last season because everyone was there was so many people in there that it was less likely that someone was going to get on get on the end of it. Um, but in terms of us, yeah, I, I'm I'm not too worried defensively. I think you know there's all we're in a division where mistakes always happen. Uh, um, mm. And as as Sky Sports commentators would say, well, if you make a mistake, you get punished at this level. Um, <laughs> so it's like, but for me, I think yeah, I think we we just we've always got a mistake on us. We're in that we're in that type of division, but then I think defensively, I think we're, we're fairly solid. I think Neil Warnock's sides are reliable and, and are solid. But I mean, you're you're, you're always going to be hard to break down when you've got your defensive line and your midfield line so close together. Um, but Tom, next question from Dave McNally says: Does Joe Lumley fill you with equal amounts of fear and confidence, or is it just me? He's got a great chant, by the way. So shout out to Red Faction, great <laughs> chant from that. But we'll go for it. Um, to be fair, I don't think he's played enough and had to deal with enough to fill me with fear yet I thought yesterday he I, I think Craig Johns actually summed him up as pretty much a spectator because uh, he didn't have to really do much but <laughs> I, I thought um, in terms of his distribution it was a lot better than what we had last season kicks the ball really high doesn't yeah. he like really high fascinating well it, I mean it was going extremely high but it was going straight down onto the heads of Crooks and uh, and, and Ikpiazu so it, it seemed to work well for, for what we were trying to do um, but also there was a, a point in the first half where we tried to play a long flat click uh, flat click flat, <laughs> a, flat, a flat click flat kick <laughs> uh, down the line for um uh, Isaiah Jones and it nearly came off because mm. if it, if it had went over, uh, I think it was Viner's head. You know, Jones was through. Uh, potentially mm. starting another chan- uh, chance. So I think in in terms of that, which is the only uh, real thing I could judge him on yesterday, and and, and maybe coming out for for crosses a, a little bit. I think he's he's done well there. I think time will tell for um, for him, but I'm encouraged from what I've seen from him so far. I think based on comparisons to Bettinelli last season, it wasn't difficult to be an improvement. Uh, the so was very low. <laughs> yes, Super was. Cup winner now, though, Max Bettinelli. Won the Super Cup. Unbelievable. Done, he's, Sickening. He's done, he's done a Ross Turnbull. <laughs> really um, but sorry, Tom Curry. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how he does in uh, in future games, especially against QPR, uh, his old club. So hopefully he pulls out a bit of a worldly performance uh, like he did for them against us uh, last year. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'm, I don't see anything to be too discouraged about with him at the moment. I think he's he's done all right so far. Perfect. So next question we got from Nick Bale. He says uh, another game missed for Tavernier. <laughs> Given his injury record, should we realistically have a plan A that is without him? And then then any time he plays, it's a bonus. Dana, you alluded uh, to it earlier, but Tavernier is made out of cheese string, as you <laughs> like to to describe him. Um, but sh- given his injury record, should we realistically have a plan A that is without him or not? Yeah, I mean, I have said it a few in a few podcasts that I would like to see us sign somebody that is very similar to Tav and his energy and playing between the lines and maybe cutting inside from wide. But that's maybe a little bit more reliable as a as an option. I mean, hopefully Tav can sort out his problems. I know Neil Warnock said that it's because he doesn't warm up properly or something. I don't know if that's quite true. Um, <laughs> because you know what Neil Warnock's like in the press. But I think 
it's I think it is important that we don't become over reliant on Tav because as we've seen recently, he's he keeps picking up little niggling muscle injuries and I think the muscle injuries are the the ones that are particularly worrisome in terms of like the the long term impact. So I definitely think we need maybe not need, but it would be good to have an option that is similar to Tav. Um, I can't think of a name, but it would be good to have someone that can maybe take the pressure off him, as I've said before. Yeah, I think with with, with Tav, it's probably be lifestyle choices. I think like that's that's the only thing you can put it down to. If you're getting recurring injuries all the time, like I'm not a doctor, but surely like it's some sort of like posture work. Is it is he is he staying up too late, which is causing fatigue in the muscles? Like because we were saying like there's an article like a couple of seasons ago around like footballers playing like video games for like until the early mornings and going to train the next day, lack of sleep, lack of recovery time, problems, more injuries. I.e. Usa Dembele at Barcelona, which is a key mm. one. So I have to find that article because it's actually a really insightful yeah. one. Um, but who knows? I think once he is fit, though, Tav is comfortably our best player um, mm. by a country mile. Just the way he gets brought pitched, his drive, his aggression on the ball, his ability to, to find little pockets of space for us. It's, just, it's wonderful to watch. Um, and it's nice to know that he's he's out of the uh, the oven dinner in terms of... <laughs> <laughs> well, I said as much in my Flammy of the Moon article that he's our best player. My dad read it and he just turned around to me and went... Pish. <laughs> no, he went, he's not our best player. Maybe that's why he tripped up the stairs. It was Tav <laughs> pushing him. <laughs> Uche. What's it, what did I call it? He Uche. called Uche Itchy Uchi Boochie. <laughs> And I did not know what came out of his mouth when he said that. I was like, I had to double take. <laughs> Felt like it was something off in the night garden. Oh, he's str- like he's, he Iggle struggles. Pickle. He's str- <laughs> Iggle pickle or whatever. Iggle pickle. <laughs> he, struggles, he struggles with the big names. Uh, uh, well, at Pombolonga was my favourite. Yeah, Pombolonga, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Tom, final question. Um, it's from Charlie and he says, do you think the Riverside can become a fortress? considering how poor the home form was uh, and it has been for so long. Do you think it can be a fortress once again? Uh, I think it's vital that it is. Uh, I think when you consider the last time we went up, I think we only lost, what, two or three times home last se- uh, that season. Um, hopefully, the return of the crowds might give the players a bit of a boost. Um, obviously, from uh, from having a year without fans, and I think it was before the Fulham game on BBC Tees they were talking about it and... Uh, McNair had said it's just boring playing without him. Mm. Um, so hopefully that return of the fans can just give them a boost at home that they've missed for a year and, and we can help it become a bit more of a fortress this year and pick up the majority of our points there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Neil Wonksides, they always rely on home form if they want to get promoted this season. But hopefully we can keep our form going when we play against QPR on Wednesday. And guys, QPR, a very, very good side. Do you want to actually break them down? No. No, no, let's not break them down. Thank, course, you, thank you very much, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, QPR were quite rightly picked out uh, by us as um, our surprise package uh, this season. I mean, Wa- Mark Warburton team, oh, I almost called him Wack Mob, and then that was incredible. <laughs> Wack Mob. Uh, <laughs> but uh, his teams are typically poor defensively. I mean, they conceded, I think it was 75 goals. Um, the season before last, nineteen twenty, which was improved last season, they conceded fifty five, um, but still it was one of the um, leakiest defenses, shall we say, in the top half of the championship. So, I mean, 
I think with Mark Warburton's sides, that is always the issue. But I mean, they do have Rob Dickey this season, and I think he's one of the best um, centre halves in the in the championship. He seems to be adding goals to his game as well. He's got three and three at the moment, so um, he's definitely one that I think is is uh, bound for a Premier League move. And I think <laughs> I think QPR fans should probably stop hyping him up because he might be uh, snatched off them. I mean, the transfer window is still open, isn't it? But um, yeah, QPR. They're one of the most informed teams in the division, actually, because last season they uh, achieved 60 points, sorry, 68 points, and 44 of those came in the second half. I think it was only Watford and um, Norwich that picked up more in that time. Um, and they are at the moment looking for their fifth successive away victory. So, yeah, I mean, they are a good team. They've got some good players. I think Dominic Ball's been good uh, started the season well um Elias Chair is uh, a lively player defensively and they look a lot more solid um they've got a clean sheet um against Hull and yeah I mean it, they are quite rightly a lot of people's pick for um surprise package of the season okay Tom I, I, think, I think based on on yesterday and, and the highlights I've seen from it one one thing we need to be aware of is that they quite like us uh Set piece straight off the training ground. Mm. Uh, they scored two from from them yesterday. Um, I feel like both were deflected, but both were they, heading heading count. in anywhere. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's pretty funny as well that it's a Mark Warburton team that's scoring off set pieces before we play them after <laughs> after that Brentford game in the playoffs. But um, I think based on on yesterday and the goal we conceded, we can't have lax defending like that. Um, otherwise, it is going to cost us. Yeah, and it's not just that too. I think the way that Mark Warburton's teams, uh, oh sorry, what did you say again? Walk, Mar- walk um, Mar- Marburton. Yeah, Walk Marburton. Walk team. Um, the way the way he sets his teams up, it, it's very very clever. Um, it's expansive. Um, they use combination passing to get themselves up the pitch, and a combination pass where it's like the quick one two and the movement off the ball to get in and around it. I think that'll work quite well against Millsborough. Stephanie if, Hansen in particular pulling the strings midfield. Stephanie Hansen midfield, and I think what their play will be the, uh, against us on Wednesday, <coughs> since we're a very compact side, they'll look to stretch us, and I think what they'll use is the the use of wing player. They'll move the ball quite quickly uh, from from side to side to try and stretch Borough a little bit, just to create a little pocket of space in the middle um, for them to get a shot away. And I think that's where. Mark Walpole's teams have been very, very good um, over the last season or two. But with that, when when you're playing against an expansive side, this could probably suit us, to be fair, because the way that Borough play, they can catch them on the break with the way that they're able to get bodies forward and cause an overload if we if we are very compact and, we, and we're very structured and try and force the ball in the box from across, then we'd be able to get them away. I think when we have the likes of Jed and Isaiah Jones on the wings and try to get as much width as possible, I think we'll be able to find the gaps and hopefully get a goal or two. But you never know, expansive sides against against a Neil Warnock team, they always tend to be quite interesting um, games tactically. I think Borough could do something on, on the break against them, but be a tough, tough game. But how would you see the game going, guys? Do you think that QPR are going to take one over on us or do you think Neil Warnock should house re 1-0? How are you going, Tom? You know what? I'm going to one um, to to us. Okay. Um, I've, I think both, in both games so far, I've been impressed with kind of our solidarity in in defence um, and and being able to not so much create chances in the Fulham game, but yesterday we didn't seem to have a problem with that. Um, and I think we just look a, a better prospect than last year at the moment. Um, and I, I think we've we've kind of got that mentality where. 
Like even when we went one nil down against Fulham, or when when Bristol equalised yesterday, we still looked like we could go on and and, and get the winner. Mm. Um, so I, I'm I'm going to go two one. I'm going to go for the the home advantage for us. Optimistic. Tom was back. Um, <laughs> Dana, do you want to go? Um, I don't think we'll win the game, but I don't think we will lose it either. I mean, obviously QPR are in in fine form and have been since the, the second half of last season, as I mentioned. I can see this being a score draw. I think I'm gonna go with we'll go with one all. One all ah, see I'm gonna be pessimistic here. Pessimistic Johnny. Optimistic Tom. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just Elliot now, aren't I? Sitting you on are, the fence. You are. You've become Elliot a little bit. Um I'll I think we're going to get beat 2 1, I think, unfortunately. Um, I, I think they have a bit more quality than us and in, in the final third. And I just don't think we have enough you know, emphasis going forward. I just, I just don't know. I thought, we, although we were good against Bristol City, I thought Bristol City were very poor on yeah, the flip agree. side as I well. Agree. So I, I'm going to go 2 1 QPR, I think, unfortunately. But if we do get a result. I think it's very, very telling of where we'll probably be towards the end of the season. Uh, but it's still early doors, of course. But let's, guys, it's not the only game we've got this week because we are playing Derby. And this week, we caught up with Jason from the Rams Review podcast to chat about the roller coaster of a preseason for the Rams, uh, the players we should look out for, and their predictions and the future of boss Wayne Rooney. So, preseason was a bit of a mixed bag of results and a bit of a mixed bag of players as well, with around eight trialists making up the numbers. Um, which, you know, three we've gone on to sign eventually a week before the season, but clearly st- still lacking in numbers, uh, certainly with experience at this level. Um, you know, the rest of the squad is made up by under-21s and under-18s who haven't got a lot of experience. Um, in terms of one to watch for Derby, I mean, that's that's a difficult one at the minute, but I would say Ravel Morrison has, has started quite well for Derby in, in his two games that he's, he's made appearances so far. Um, he's scored. He's he's had an assist. He's he's been in and out of the game, but you know he's he's looked at uh, the one that makes something tick at the moment. Um, Festi Ebersele down the right hand side as well, a young winger. Um, he's got pace to burn. His end products not fantastic, but he'll certainly will certainly focus the attack down the right hand side um, because of his pace. And then when Louis Sibley in midfield, the young lad, um, has been playing as well, he likes to drive from midfield. He's he's quite good at dribbling. Um, he likes to get a shot away. He's he's been a bit part player really so far, but you can see that you know he's got quality there and um, is is a useful a useful addition to Derby's squad. But other than that, I think um, I think you're struggling to 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 pick any more at this moment in time with how bad things are. And you know. The season really, it's going to be a complete unknown. We still need players in, which we can't do because of the embargo. If this is the squad that goes the whole season, we will struggle badly. I would expect a big relegation fight, and I'm not sure Derby have got enough to stay up. With only 12 players that have multiple appearances for Derby, or even at this level in the Championship, I mean, any injuries to those will be devastating. We lost CKR yesterday against. Um, Peterborough looks like he might be out for quite a while which is a, a big problem for Derby as we've got no other recognised striker um, you know it's going to make the huge task of staying up even harder we have to hope things off the field can change in the next couple of weeks due to the embargo and bring in some more experienced players but with not a lot of money going around at Derby at the moment the quality of those signings still might not be enough for us to survive in the championship this season 
In terms of the manager, Wayne Rooney, he, you know, he's been handed an incredibly difficult first role as a manager. He's not shied away from it, but his hands are definitely tied in terms of recruitment and finances. It's The squad's not what he wants. It's not the most experienced. It's not got depth of quality. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, that's made a tough job already even harder. But I think, you know, in the position that Derby are in, will Wayne be at Derby for long? I can't see why he wouldn't be. Um, I don't see Derby affording to be able to replace him, so it would be all down to if he walked. Um, and he's said multiple times in interviews that he's not willing to walk. Um, he, he certainly needs help from above, um, but not sure that that's coming at the moment. And, you know, actually down to the manager, whilst some of his tactical decisions have been slightly questioned, he hasn't really got any other options to help him with that. So it's it's a bit of a difficult one for him, but I can I can see him sticking around. But all in all, difficult season for Derby. It's just how bad is it going to be? Um, who knows? Time will tell. Cheers, guys. Have a good season. So thanks for that, Jason. Um, guys, how do we feel about the Derby game? What's your thoughts on Derby this season? Dana, I know you're a huge, huge Derby oh, County job. fan. Um, you've got <laughs> got Mel Morris on, on, on your wall at home. Uh, <laughs> horses everywhere. How, how, what's your thoughts on Derby? Because, uh, as Jason said, they're in a bit of a rut at the minute. Yeah, I mean... I can't believe I got called a clueless munter, by the way, by a Derby fan for predicting them to finish rock bottom of the championship. I mean, they've basically got players. Um, got players, done. Yeah, they've got no players, done. I think this has been coming, really, for Derby. They have been in need of a major humbling for quite some time. And I hope that this proves to be that for them. Um, I must admit, I can't stand their fan base, which is the reason why I don't like Derby. But to be fair, Jason and Corey, they're, they're only they're, two Derby fans, I think we like. They're, they're the exceptions, <laughs> yeah. Um, God, I hope no Derby fans are listening to this, whatever. Anyways, um, yeah, I think obviously they're in a massive um, rut at the moment, as you said. And I can only really see Derby going down, to be fair. I mean, if they pull something out of the bag and manage to stay up, it would be quite some achievement. But I think between them and Huddersfield and maybe Bristol City, actually, um, they're three very troubled teams. Mm-hmm. Well, they have Ravel Morrison uh, playing for them at the moment, who's actually fitting in quite well, to be honest. He's got an absolute screamer on his debut and he looked quite good against Peter Rhea uh, on Saturday. Um, but Tom, you're appearing on the Rams Review podcast this week. Um, but what's your thoughts on Derby? Have you got any more to add? I agree with Dana that I think they're going down. Um, I think the the issues they're having at the moment in, in terms of not having any players, I just think that's going to cost them massively this season. I can see it being similar to you know when they went down in the Premier League with like a record low points. Because uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm lo- looking at their past form um, here and, and you know they drew one all first game of the season against Huddersfield who... I think we all had downers look very poor yesterday. I mean, if any, I think that the, the performance yesterday against Fulham, I think that was like, well, well you're down, <laughs> and the home performance as well, losing mm. like that, mm. um, and and your derby made hard work of it against them to get a one-all draw. Uh, then you look at midweek where they beat Salford on penalties, and it just seemed like on Twitter they were celebrating as if they'd won the cup. Um, and derby fans. <laughs> And then, um, yeah, losing two one yesterday against Peterborough. Um, I didn't watch the match, but I've seen that, seen the highlights, and just this, that second goal they conceded was absolutely comical. Um, <laughs> so everything about uh, it was even Dembele is trying to get his top off. 
It was like yeah. Harry Houdini. So they're definitely going to beat us one 0 on Saturday, but I still think <laughs> <laughs> I still think they'll be going down at the end of the season. They actually are going to beat us. Um, one thing to add about that as well: Colin Kazem Richards actually went off injured yesterday. And by the looks of it on Twitter and what the Derby fans are saying, they've actually got no fit strikers. So it'd be interesting to see if uh, Rooney's tempted out of retirement to, retire him again. to, to make him re- make his return against the team that retired him. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going Derby 1-0. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, like, I, I will make a more optimistic pre- prediction that we'll hammer him 3-0, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was like a typical Borough uh, 1-0, 1-0 loss against a team with no players. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, our away form was quite good last year, and Warnock teams tend to do better away from home sometimes. I mean, they make things more difficult, but in terms of home form, they play a little bit better. But, Dana, you've got predictions? Yeah, the... 30 nil. <laughs> <laughs> I hate them. <laughs> no, the the last game that we played um, against them was obviously a Pride Park, wasn't it? And it was that game where they had that very interesting... Uh, corner kick routine against us that we just had no idea how to defend and I'm hoping that we've learnt our lesson from that um, we also conceded a was it a Colin Chasm Richards scream or was it I remember and we just didn't press him so I'm hoping that we've learnt our lesson from that game and um, because of that I'm going to go with a 2-0 Borough victory mm, I think I think we'll win as well uh, at Derby as well I think we'll win yeah, I'm going to go 2-0 but you guys, you know, if you're predicting three wins in a row, promotion form, isn't it? Ten points from that guy. We're all going up, we're going up, get the part get the parties and the palmos out there. Um but that's it guys. Thank you very much for joining me as always. And well Borough are on their way with the first win of the season, but with the squad stretch, transfers incoming and more football to be played, it's set to be an interesting couple of weeks on T side. But for now, this has been the Borough Breakdown Podcast, and that was why you mashed the chatter in a pod. Up the board breakdown. One support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the super light tree runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a super light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.